Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 21 of Swimming Upstream and our fifth weekly recap of the Miami Marlins minor league system, where Daniel DeVivo and I run through each level of the minor league system, highlight some standout performers at each level, and take your questions. Daniel, we're back again, man. Thanks, as always, again for being here. How are we doing? Not great, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> the Marlins, a uh, big team, big team isn't doing well, man, and it's really, really tough to see. But at least our prospects are, um, you know, our prospects are doing what we hope they would. And that's what we're here to talk to you about, kind of cheer you up. Right, guys? And, um, yeah, let's, let's, let's go. Let's, let's do it. Yeah, not much winning going on at, at the major league level. We'll hit on that slightly in a second here, Daniel. But lots of winning going on at the minor league level. So if you want to see some winning baseball, I'll turn into MILB TV. You'll see some wins. <laughs> Before we go into them, though, Daniel, um, I just wanted to, to go through it really quickly. We could spend a whole podcast on this, but I, I just want I just want to go through it briefly. This Marlins team, what have they lost now? Eight of their last nine games. They're just losing to terrible teams. I, honestly, I just want to ask your honest opinion. Why have things gone so bad so fast for this team? Man. Um, so we all know that the hitting hasn't been there the whole season. We, I expected a bit more from our offense, um, but we just haven't seen it. Obviously, we've been unlucky. I think losing Miggy, like, really hit the team. Um, obviously, Anderson, too. He's, he's a re really important part of our lineup. But Miggy, he just represents so much. It's not just the hitting, which he has been doing throughout the whole season, but it's also that leadership. And they lost him last game of the homestand and having to go out without him lose a few games, not have him there to, you know, you, we know Miggy, you know, the, the guy, you know, does creates mound visits and, and makes the pitcher right. You know, he's the guy who will lock everybody up and, and, and have those no nonsense meetings. It's him. So with him not there and like physically, like not even in the dugout, I think that really hurt, but you add that to, the rotation injuries, I mean, also losing Eliezer, that will kill you. And again, not having your captain there, the guy comes back, has a great game, and we lose him you know, with running. I mean, you just can't make this stuff up, man. Um, so, yeah, really unlucky, number one. And the bullpen. The bullpen was doing pretty great. I mean, maybe not so great at the beginning of the season and some, some specific spots throughout. But they were really doing great. And we had games during this horrible, horrible road trip where the offense did show up and scored five, six runs. And then the bullpen just blew it. Like it happened like two or three times. And it was so tough to watch that that game against the Pirates with with Bender and the error. Oh, my God, man. That That's like that was the low. <laughs> that was that was as, as bad as it was. I hope that as it's going to get. So hopefully now they go back and, um, you know, hey, see Miggy again. Miggy can slap him around a little. And hopefully, you know, prospects will start coming up. But it doesn't look good, man. I'm really, really on the downside. What do you think? Yeah, honestly, I, I think they're, they're at the point now where we can just say that, that it's, it's, it's um, pretty much a done deal, that this team's not going to compete this year. It's already going to be a, you know, the division winner, and that's it. Like that's that's all. It's just going to be the one team making the playoffs, obviously, right? 
So, you know, you can you win this division with where the Marlins are? I don't see it happening <laughs> at all. Um, like I said, they're, they're losing to terrible teams and the efforts are just flat. Um, I'll, I'll go to, to a coaching side and say lineup creation. I know Don Manningly has what he has to work with and it's not his fault. He has to do the best with what he's got, but you know, you see Jose Devers hitting really well. And then all of a sudden he's on the bench for Isan Diaz and Isan Diaz is, and hasn't been good at all this season. You know, it, it's just, it's, I think it's uncompetitive lineups that are being tossed out game after game. And then you just look at the performance and the level of performance. It's just inconsistent. As you said, the bullpen's terrible. Their leader's gone. You know, it, it'll be good, as you said, for, for them to get back to Miami and, and see Miggy and hopefully he can get into that locker room and be like, hey, guys, what's going on? Because <laughs> I think this team needs a wake-up call right now. And with everything that Miggy does for the, for the organization, I think he can provide that. So we see him out at minor league games too, supporting the minor league guys when he's not with the Marlins and doing his rehab and everything else. So, again, this guy is insurmountable to the um, – and I've said this before, but this guy's insurmountable to the um, the fabric of this Marlins organization. Yeah. And even after he's done playing, I want him here for reasons like this. You see what a loss that is, you know, even if he's not the best player on the field, right? He's there as that that vocal leader that that's rounding these guys up, that's there in their ears. So, yeah, that was definitely a huge loss. And then Andy as well, as you said, um, LEAs were going down again. This guy just can't catch a break, man. Like, even comes, yeah. yeah. He comes back from the 60-day, he's in the middle of a good start, and then he's running the bases. Speaks, oh speaks to the DH more and more and more. Yeah, <laughs> Another case exactly. to bring up at the at the at the uh the negotiation yeah, this winter, yeah. right? Exactly. So yeah, I mean we have lots of lots of cases to bring up there to, to bring us the DH. So yeah, that's another conversation. But overall, I, I think it's just issues from top to bottom. You can go organizationally with the decisions that Kim Ang has made, this this rebolstered bullpen. How good has it been? I mean, I think the only one that's been consistently good in this bullpen up until recently is Anthony Bender. And he came in just as an off the street guy and he's your biggest supporter. So yeah, I mean, Floro, not good. Anthony Bass, not good. You know, it, it, that's, that's where she focused her attention and look at the results. So, I mean, honestly, that included and overall what we've seen from Kim Ang. I can't give it a passing grade, man. Uh, it's great that we broke that ceiling by hiring her. Everything else like that is awesome. She did deserve the job. But overall, man, not a supporter of, of, of what's going on. So, anyways, we'll see what they yeah, can I mean, do. The, the biggest vulnerabilities we had um, in the lineup and the bullpen, maybe the bullpen, we felt like she may have done a few things. And I'm not out on Floro. I think he's having a rough patch. I think, you know, he started out really well and his, his, um, his measurables show that he should be good. But I'm kind of out on Bast. Um, Deadweiler has been a fine surprise. Blyer, I thought it was going to be much worse after the start of the season, but then has, has been better. But they, like, it all came together at the same time <laughs> with uh, Yimmy killing us in that game, Floro struggling, Bass continues to struggle, um, Bender, Pop. I'm not sure what happened with Pop, but the last, his last two outings have been horrible. Um, so everything just came together in this freaking road trip and, and it's just not good. So um, let's yeah. talk about prospects to cheer up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't want to, we could spend more longer on that, but we got to get to these prospects. Let's get to some good news guys. Uh, we, we could, we could spend a ton of time on that, but we're not going to, we're, we're going to go to these prospects. We'll see what the Marlins can do. They're back home for a homestand. Get Miggy back out there. Let's go. guess that's all yep. we can say. <laughs> all right, guys, we're going to go through it now with our, with our affiliates. 
Um, we're going to go to Jupiter first, like we always do. We go uh, from the low levels to the, the higher levels. Uh, first up is low A Jupiter. This team has been so entertaining at the lowest level of the minors, Daniel, and another good week for them. They go four and two against their, their stadium mates, the Palm Beach Cardinals. They have a plus nine run differential. Uh, we didn't really talk about the standings, and we don't really talk about the standings in minor league baseball a lot, Daniel, but there are two games over 500 and one game out of the division lead. So just some added incentive for these young kids to go out there and continue to develop. Because if you're an athlete at any period of development or any sport, you want to win games, right? And this team's doing it. They're out, they're out there winning games. They're competing. They're in pretty much every game. Offense has been good. Pitching's been good. It's a solid team, man. I'm really excited for our, our friend Jamie Toole and the rest of the Roger Dean staff uh, as well. They go back to full capacity this coming week for their Thursday through Saturday home games. Fans are not allowed in attendance there. Uh, for the rest of the week, but they do have fans out there for Thursday through Saturday and they're going back to full cap. So you love to see it. Uh, another big step. We'll get to our guys. Daniel, I'll let you go first here. Sure. Sure. Um, <clears throat> I would say my guy, my main guy, <clears throat> I do have two is uh, Victor Mesa jr. The junior had a great week, man. That's just awesome to see. He had a healthy 391 average 481 OBP with three doubles just, you know, awesome, awesome to see. Uh, 1,003 OPS for the week. Strike out only two times in 27 uh, plate appearances, which is really good. Um, so now for the season, he has a 15% K rate, which in, in this day and age, you know, of, of strikeouts, it's, it's very, very good. Victor had a, I would say he had a very good first week, but then struggled a bit. Now it looks like he has adjusted and I'm just, I'm ready to see what happens when he keeps seeing live pitching and getting to know his opponents only two home runs right now, but the power will come, you know, his swing just screams it. Um, I like, I like what I've seen, I've seen of him. What do you think about Victor? Yeah, man. Um, I think he's gaining consistency. Um, you know what I mean? It, it, it's, it's a guy that that's kind of going out there. Um, a lot, a lot of his swings are kind of slappy, but then he has a week like this where he cranks three doubles and he's got those good exit velos off the bat. Our buddy Ian uh, saw him a couple games ago, I believe. And he was saying he was hitting consistent hundreds off the bat. So man, that's the kind of stuff you love to see is him, is him getting those barrels and driving the baseball. Awesome. Awesome to see out of such a young hitter. Um, I think, as I said, it's a guy that needs to gain that consistency, but at such a young age, you kind of expect that. So for him to have a week like this, it's a big week for his development and you want to see him build on it. He did go cold a lot to start the season. He had that really rough spell where he was cold, but then this week he was really good. So um, yeah, just more consistency, more development, man. I think he's going to spend all season in Jupiter so he can get comfortable there, comfortable with his teammates and his coaches. I think he's in a good spot, man. Really good. And you, and you can see the... Um... You can see both aspects of, of the bat. You know, you can see the plate discipline um, and that hit tool, but you also see the power and that impact. So I'm really high on this kid. My other guy is MD Johnson, Michael David, by the way, for those that don't know, <clears throat> he had another solid start, you know, a bit unconventional <laughs> of a start, but definitely effective. So check this out. Six innings pitched, zero runs. By the way, he, um, he didn't start. He followed up. Eddie, Eddie Cabrera, yep. um, and finished the game after Eddie threw three innings. You know, this guy finished the game. So six innings pitched, zero runs, one hit, six Ks, but five walks. Yeah. <laughs> effectively, <laughs> effectively wild. Um, he now owns for the season a 2.01 ERA for the 
with uh, 26 Ks in 22 innings and a 1.25 whip. That whip, though, is made out purely, purely out of uh, walks. Yeah. 22 walks in 22 innings. Uh, that's not good. But other side of the coin is only six hits. That's the 0.86 average. So I would say good. Opposing teams are not touching him at all, but he has serious, like really serious control issues. Let's let's I would say let's dive a bit deeper into his stuff here really quickly. Four pitches, honestly, only throws three of them regularly. Yeah. His fastball, which sits in the low 90s, maxing out at 93, I would say. Um, I should mention that he is maintaining this velocity until the end of his outing, which really is important since he was a reliever. <clears throat> last or his last season 2019 so it's good to see that in this like sixth inning of work he's still throwing 92 93 hopefully maybe he can um throw a bit harder as he progresses he also has a low 80s slider which seems to be his out pitch um a low 80s changeup and a slow curveball that he doesn't use too much but he does keep it in the back of the hitter's mind so definitely good to have he just, I mean, he, he needs to bring those walks down. Um, in 2019, he also gave up a lot of free passes, but not at this rate. It was yeah. 11 and 22 innings, I believe. Mm-hmm. So uh, 4.50 per nine. Now he has a nine per nine. So I'm really interested in seeing what adjust, adjustments he makes. Um, but good stuff from him the whole season. Yeah, we've talked about him before. He was also a prospect of the week of ours um, in a previous week for another good start that he had. But he just keeps putting together good starts. But as you said, the problem is his his, his wildness because this guy will have at-bats. It'll go at-bat to at-bat where he'll just be really good. He'll get swings and misses in and out of the strike zone. And then he'll have an at-bat where he just completely loses a guy on four or five pitches. So I think this is a product of what you see with a lot of guys that are being built up to be starters. I know he did start previously before he got before he came to the Marlins. I believe he did start previously in college. And elsewhere, but then the Marlins make him a reliever, and now all of a sudden, oh, it's time to start again. So I think he's being built back up to be that that starting piece. Uh, so yeah, I think that that's basically what you see with with MD Johnson is that he's building back up to be a starter. Um, you know, throwing to guys multiple times. You know, trying to to you know differ the looks, give different looks to guys while facing them two or three different times in a game rather than just facing them once, right, or twice at maximum. So yeah, I th- I think that's kind of what you see is that that uh that uh that transition back to starting and then he is building his arsenal as you said slider's really good man i think we've talked about this previously as well good spin rate on the slider that's definitely his best pitch basketball is pretty good holds the velo like you said um and then the other two pitches i think are a little underdeveloped the changeup's not that great um and he will lose control of it a lot that he's thrown a lot of balls with that pitch i was looking at the numbers on him previously he has thrown a lot of balls with that pitch um doesn't hit the zone a lot so i don't think he has a great feel for that pitch hopefully that comes and then the curveball as well, as you said, that's definitely a distant fourth. He may drop that pitch and just go go fastball slider changeup in the future because I think the changeup needs needs work as well. So we'll see how they can develop him. Um, it's an interesting guy, though, definitely. You look at his stat lines and it's like, wow, how did he not allow you know many <laughs> runs when he's given up five and six walks a game? So, Crazy. yeah, it, it's an interesting guy at an interesting level of development. So another guy to follow. Um, I'll get to mine. Went kind of long on MD, but he is interesting. So I do like him. Uh, I'll go to mine. Uh, Nassim Nunez is going to be my first guy. Um, if you follow Nassim or Victor Jr., who we just talked about, or other guys in this Hammerheads clubhouse on, on Instagram, you know these guys, um, they've been slumping previously this this past week, before this week. They were trying to get pretty creative and, and trying to wake up their bats. Um, you saw Victor Mesa Jr. putting his bat in a whirlpool 
Um, the, my favorite was I posted on Twitter was Nassim Nunez pouring. I think it was a five hour energy drink on the top of his bat barrel. Um, apparently that worked. Because, it worked. <laughs> he, he had a really good week, man. Probably one of the best weeks of his, of his young career. Uh, so yeah, he's, he's caught fire. He just, he hit just 173 in May this first week of this month. He's out to a 444 start for his uh, start to June, multiple hits in four of these six games that he was in been on base a total of 15 times. Uh, the speed just continues to wreak havoc, man. Four more stolen bases for this guy. He's got 19 stolen bases, I believe, on the young season. I don't know if you guys remember, Daniel, you, you'll probably remember. Um, this is going back to when I, I first started covering these prospects. The Marlins used to have a guy, and he made up to the big league level, too. I think all he did with the Marlins was pinch run, and for good reason, because he was one of the fastest guys I've ever seen. The guy's name was, was I know where Jeff, you're going. Jeffrey Perez, if you remember him. Jeffrey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude was one of the fastest guys I've ever seen, and he stole like 80 bases. In a, in, a, in a single full season with the Hammerheads when they were playing at single advanced. Forget what year it was. I think it was like 2015 or 2016, one of those two. I have to look it back up. But I do remember that he swiped like 80 bags. I think Nassim, if he continues to go like this, man, and he's got better on-base skills than Jeffrey Perez and a much better prospect, no knock on Jeffrey. I thought he was a cool kid, but Nassim's clearly a better prospect. I think he could break that record, man, because he's just swiping a bag left and right, and he's clearly a threat to be on base, uh, to steal a base, I should say, whenever he gets on. So love to see it. Um, this guy is solid, solid, solid all the way around. Good in the field as well. Um, speed translates well there. Super athletic kid. See him make diving plays, take away hits, throw from his backside. You know, just just really, really solid, man. I, I'm really excited to see him have a week like this offensively. Um, see if he can build on it, man, because, man, he could go far. Yeah, absolutely agreed on him, man. Um, we know he's a singles hitter right now, but – if you can combine all his tools, he would be a great leadoff hitter moving forward. Yep, exactly. And my other guy is a pitcher. That's uh, a bullpen piece, Andrew Nardi. Um, this was a guy I was really excited to see pitch after how he dominated in the GCL in 2019. Kind of an interesting track record for him. He pitched at two different JUCO colleges, uh, and then he was at D1 in 2018 and in 2019 at different colleges, one being Radford and the other one being Arizona. Uh, the start to the year for him was not great. The first two outings, just just not good. But since then, man, he's been lights out. He's gone 12.2 scoreless innings, went four scoreless in his sole outing of this previous series. This week, he goes three scoreless, pitched in the completion of a rain-delayed game on June 1st, strikes out the side for the save. That was awesome. I know me and you were talking about that, Daniel. Strikes out the side. I think it was on like 12 pitches or something. So awesome. That was that was definitely a big, big night, big day for him, I should say. Um, next outing, he gets four Ks and just two innings of work. He's allowed just four hits over that aforementioned uh, 12.2 inning span. Just a guy that seems to be figuring it out pretty quickly for, the, for these hammerheads in the bullpen, Daniel. Putting that early adversity behind him, you like to see that. He's up to like 96 with the heat, down to like low 80s with a slider. Fastball movement, 2,500 RPMs, and pretty regularly in that range. That's a spin rate. Slider, uh, the way, I mean, this downward movement on this pitch is nasty. It's disgusting. All the way down to the low 80s, from that high 90s to the low 80s. That's that velo step that I always talk about. Um, really solid, man. I think those two pitches can carry him pretty far in a bullpen role. I like what I've seen from Andrew Nardi. Agreed. Love him. All right. He did make our, our top 100, right? Yeah, he did. He's at the back end, but, man, he could be moving up because he was oh, super yeah. solid. Uh, stay tuned for that next update. <laughs> a lot of these guys <laughs> we're talking about now, you're going to see him move. Um, all right, we'll go up uh, to the single A advanced level, Daniel, uh, with the snappers. They go two and four, uh, but they've won their fair share of games. They've been fine. Uh, they have a negative five run differential. My first guy, I have no problem mentioning him again, Daniel, Troy Johnston. 
I've been talking about him since before the season started and I'll continue to do so. Uh, he hits 349, 427, 446 with Jupiter. And now he's hit 318, 423, 636 with the Beloit Snappers. Uh, even 15 to 15 KBB, despite that jump in levels, been on base in every game he's played with Beloit and in 13 straight overall. The guy just hits, Daniel. Hit tool is so good. I mean, I would say 55, 60 grade hit tool on this guy. It's under that per scouting, but I think with how he started this year, it's going to be pushed up because it's really, really solid. Really advanced approach, simple, 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 all the way through. Takes close pitches, puts the bat out, settles for singles, gaps some for doubles. You know, just 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 so solid. I've talked about it a lot before, so we don't have to go too deep into him. But man, really good. Yeah, how, how can you stop talking about him? I mean, <laughs> you were talking about him in Jupiter, and we're saying, hey, yeah, no, it's all good, but he's older and he's beating up on younger guys. So let's see what happens if he gets promoted. Guy gets promoted and kills it first week. Well, he's like uh adapt adaptation no need you know he's just killing it so yeah we'll keep talking about him if he keeps doing this yeah i mean i guess the only thing and i've brought this up before right is how he fits in in the in the future of the marlins organization that's what's tough with him right um because he's an outfielder that's that's his main his main duty he's been an outfielder all the way coming up i know the marlins have started him out at first base but his skills don't really profile for first base man he doesn't have the one thing he doesn't have is power I mean, he does have some gap power, some slight gap to gap power, like I said, and he can go to all fields, but there's just not much power to warrant a starting first base job. You know, first base, that's a power position. You want to have a power bat there, right? Uh, at least traditionally, you want to have power bat there. So, yeah, I mean, you like to see that he's gaining that, that versatility to be at first base and other positions, but I, I don't see his future at first base. I see it more in the outfield and look what he has to navigate. We, we all know what he has to navigate. So, yeah, I mean, that's what you worry about is how he fits in in the future. We'll see. Um, DH opens up some availability for him as well. Um, hopefully that comes next year. We're expecting that. So, uh, we'll see. Um, I hope he sticks around though, man, because I think this kid could be good. I, I stated before the comp that I give him is kind of that, that Nick Markakis light, you know, just a guy who gets on base, doesn't strike out, takes his walks, gap power. Yeah. Just, just a solid hitter. Um, and my other guy, um, with the, uh, with the snappers, um, I'll go, I'll go pitcher here. I'll go Tyler Mitzel. Um, we've talked about him before, Daniel. Um, I think you mentioned him uh, on a previous episode. This yeah. guy um, just continues to get it done. Two more outings this week. The first, he strikes out the side, and then the second, he picks up his fifth save. Um, he's being used pretty consistently as the bullet closer, converted the save op in all five of them that he's been in. Interesting track record. I'll go through it really quick. He was a third baseman and catcher in high school, pitched a little bit, but not much. Converted to pitching in college. Uh, another guy, like, like a guy that we just talked about with um, Andrew Nardi. Uh, a guy that kind of skipped around in college, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, we saw him play Juco, D1, and D2. Signed with the Marlins. Didn't get drafted. Signed as an undrafted free agent. Part of that really solid Lumber Kings pitching staff in, in 2019. Best pitch, Daniel, that really, really great plus-plus changeup. That's a big league-ready pitch already. That's the pitch that got him into the big leagues, and he's kind of an oddity in that regard, that he was first able to develop that pitch. That's usually the last pitch that guys develop, right? We've seen that happen with Rogers, Brax Garrett. That's the traditional route of a prospect is that's usually the last pitch. This guy used that as his first pitch. And like I said, it's a big league ready pitch, man. Super solid, two plane fade and movement to it. Good diving vertical action, good spin rates on it. He can place it and get swings out of the zone with it. So yeah, I mean, that pitch, we talk about pitches like highly heralded guys, Max Meyer, um, you know, Zach McKinley's curveball. Talk about, you know, the slider for Jake Eater, which I'm sure we'll talk about when we get to Pensacola. Because again, how can we not? But man, next to them, 
and this is going to be a surprise for some people listening. I think this pitch is one of the best in the organization, that Tyler Mitchell changeup. Pay attention to it. If you're able to catch a Beloit Snappers game on MILB TV, watch him throw that pitch because it's it's dead nasty, man. Um, and then the heat is not that great. This is the last thing I'll get to on Mitchell. It's like 93, 94, so it's pretty average. But with how good that changeup is, and because he can pitch off of the changeup, his heat will actually get on hitters, and he can jam hitters with it as well. So that's his really, really solid two pitches, the fastball, which also moves really well, the changeup. Um, I haven't seen much of a third pitch, Daniel. I, I don't know if you have. I know he's trying to develop a little bit more of a breaking ball, but I haven't really seen it come out from him. If he can develop that, just another weapon, but I think he has a good enough, uh, you know, feel for these, this, this changeup and this fastball to get by as a two-pitch late reliever. He's so solid. I mean, since, since the Marlin, Marlins picked him up, he's just been so solid and getting better and better. Um, K rate, still really high. Um, he can really move quickly through our system. So, yeah, it's a good pick. On my side, I picked one guy uh, for, for this week for, for the snappers, and it's, um, it's the prince that was promised, man. This is Will Banfield. Finally, you know, um, when this guy, when Will Banfield shows us what he can do with the bat, I get so excited because we know that everything else is already there. You know, he had such an amazing week and he's quietly having a solid season offensively. Um, this week he averaged 438 in 21 plate appearances, 545 OBP with a 1233 OPS. He had one home run, sprinkled in a double. He's still 21. You know, he's still very young for this level, especially for a catcher. 21 for a catcher at high A is, is really young and really good. Um, I've been saying it, you know, give him, give him some time to, the, to develop the bat. You know, don't, don't write him off because he's been struggling. Um, like we went into it, I think it was last episode, everything a catcher needs to do, a young catcher, a high school catcher, everything they need to do, the, the bat is the last thing they, they, they end up thinking about. And now we're seeing it. The power is there. He's bringing that K rate down. <clears throat> Average is going up. So really excited about Banfield. You know, a lot of people wrote him off, but he's coming. Um, Kyle Nicholas, I just quick note on him. He got knocked around. Um, yep. In this week's start, five runs in three innings. I'm interested in seeing how he bounces back. Uh, Max Meyer had a similar start and then just came back the next week and dominated. So I'm really excited. Well, not excited, not anxious either. Just interested in seeing how he comes back. See if this is something that's going to linger or if he's going to find it and, and, and continue. So, so just a quick note on, on Kyle, Kyle there. Yeah, um, just to, uh, to finish for me on, on Will Banfield, I mentioned him last week. You kind of saw the bat coming around a little bit last week, and then this week he does really well, right? Um, I kind of think you can relate this to um, the work that he did during uh, 2020 at the ATS and then this season in spring training. He said it himself uh, on a media call in spring training that getting to face off against those older pitchers at the alternate training site, like Sandy and Urania when we had him, Guys like that, Pablo, all those kind of guys, uh, that really, really helped him with his bat. And seeing that big league stuff and getting to face off against it 
you know, just being around the guys in spring training, getting tips from them and stuff like that, seeing how the catchers go through their routines and their workouts and stuff like that, how they do in batting practice, what they work on, just how they carry themselves. I think that's huge for a guy like Will Banfield. I think you're seeing that payoff with how this bat's starting to come around. So exciting, exciting two weeks, I would say, last week starting and then this week especially for for Will Banfield. I'm, I'm really stoked that that, that bat is starting to, to come around and show some consistency because that's huge for this Marlins organization. He is still a few years away. As we said, he's 21 years old. So still a few years away, but to see it start happening now at this level, can't say enough about that. I'm really excited for Will Banfield. All right, uh, we'll go on. I think that's all we got for um, for Beloit for now. We'll go on to um, to double A, the Pensacola Blue Wahoos. Um, they get a 3-3 split in this series, uh, negative two run differential. Next up, they'll go to Chattanooga, Tennessee to take on the Lookouts, which are a Reds affiliate. Piece of good news for them, Daniel, that we heard about. Uh, I put this out a couple days ago on Twitter, but just to highlight it again, they will very likely get Victor Victor Mesa back this coming week. He's been out since May 12th with an ankle injury. So yeah, that's going to be awesome to see Victor Victor back. He was off to a little bit of a slow start um, to his season, but uh, to see him get back and healthy, back out there in center field, probably regularly, um, I, I'm, I'm really excited, man. Cause I think this is a big year for, for Victor, Victor Mesa. We'll get to our guys. Uh, Daniel, go ahead. Um, yeah, Victor, Victor Mesa, I heard something similar. If it's not this week, maybe next week, but, mm-hmm. but he's close. It doesn't look like it's going to be as horrible as, as initially thought. Um, two guys for this week, pitcher and a hitter. My, my pitcher is uh, the great Max Meyer. Um, this week he looked exactly like the guy we drafted. Absolutely dominant, six innings pitched, one and run, three hits, one walk, like career high, very short career, nine Ks. Um, the slider was just nasty. It's, he's throwing it in any count right now. It's getting me over for a strike or, or like the front end uh, and, and then leave you uh, uncomfortable standing called strike or to strike you out with a lighter on the ground i mean it's it's just beautiful beautiful to see um also throwing the change up more and more i tweeted a video of a, of a change up he threw for a strikeout in his last start and you can just you can see how nasty it is it falls off the table so for the season max now has a 1.86 era with a 0.97 whip and 31 strikeouts in 29 innings we also need to put into context that you know He's doing this to begin his, begin his pro career at the double-A level, which almost no one does. You know, normally, someone goes through high A or, or even lower than that. To give you an example, Asa Lacey, who everyone wanted to, you know, wanted in the draft instead of Max, um, he began the season at high A for the Royals and has a 6.27 ERA and a 1.77 whip, pretty much the same amount of innings. Obviously, they're small sample sizes, but man, I mean, Max is really starting to find it. You know, so look out, people. I mean, it's it's great to see. And uh, my my other guy is Nick Fortes, another catcher. We talked about Will Banfield in high A. Now Nick Fortes is double A. This guy has sneakily had a solid season for the Wahoos. Um main thing that needs to be said about him I feel is that he's handling that double a staff just perfectly most of those guys are doing so well Meyer Eater Lindgren Stewart you know they're they're pitching to their potential I feel um and 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 obviously their catcher is a really big part of that 
But this week, Fortis, uh, he also brought the bat, which is great to see. For the week, he had a 429 average with two doubles and a triple. Uh, he now has a 276 average, 345 OBP, 753 OPS. That's pretty good, man. Um, as a pro, Fortis hasn't really shown much with the bat. In two pro seasons with nearly 100 games under his belt, he has hit only th- he had hit only three home runs and a combined 600 OPS, which is well below average. Now he's showing something with the bat. Um, so again, just really good to see because we know that the, the defense is there, uh, great arm, solid receiving ability. As I mentioned, you know works really well with pitchers, and he also strikes out very rarely uh, with a 13% career K rate which is really good. So exciting to see, man. Yeah, definitely. Um, completely agree on both of those. Just a, a quick note on, on um, Asa Lacey, who the snappers actually faced this week. In that start, he went four innings, gave up four hits, two earned runs on two walks and four strikeouts. And the start previously, uh, he gives up, got shelled. He gave up five earned runs in 1.2 innings. And then you see Max Meyer and what he's been able to do. And just a quick note to throw it back to the draft. The Marlins pass on Asa Lacey. They save money. They draft Max Meyer. And with the money save, they get Daxton Fulton, right? And Daxton Fulton has been doing really well with the Jupiter Hammerheads, which we've highlighted on a previous episode. So yeah, sure. I think that uh, that DJ Svalik and company, uh, I'm not going to base a lot off a of small sample size. I know Asa Lacey can definitely be a really good pitcher and has ace potential. But um, from what's happened so far, I, I think it's it's paying off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we know what we have in Max. I mean, look at the tools; it's it's crazy. Uh, but of course, you know, he's not tall enough, so he won't go first. Okay, Marlins uh, took advantage of that. Yeah, definitely agreed. All right, uh, I'll get to my two. I, I have I have the obvious ones. Um, you know, I, I was trying to, to dive in and get like a deeper down guy because these guys are talked about a ton, but they deserve to be talked about a ton because of what they're doing. So the first one's going to be JJ Blade. Um, going to be short because we've all heard it. We all know who he is. Um, and we all, all know, all knew that this was coming, this kind of production. And here it is. So we've been telling everyone for a while now, we've gotten questions on this. We've answered them. Just stay calm through his slow start and that the bat will come. Well, like I said, guys, here it is. <laughs> here it comes 318 375 682 this week with two bombs also stole three bases i said in a previous episode i wanted to see him swing more that although the patience was good early he was walking a ton he might have been being a little bit too timid just trying to gain the timing get his timing down he said we, you know we hear players say that a lot just trying to get my timing down that's clear and evident and now here it is he's swinging more and the bats meeting the ball and he's flying around the bases. So you see every tool on display. We saw that from Burdick, a similar route. He was kind of taking a lot of pitches to start. Two weeks ago, he starts swinging more, and here come the hits. And here's J.J. Bladé following that same kind of track record, right? So, yeah, man, uh, really solid. You see every offensive tool on display. And then on defense, um, with Mesa out, like we, like we mentioned before, uh, he's the usual center fielder. Um, he's played pretty regularly in, in center field. Um, 12 games, and he's, I think he's handled it pretty well. Shows pretty good routes. Doesn't really show that he's confused out there. I think he can handle it, it fine. So now he's showing that he can handle all three outfield spots. Daniel, there it is. That beautiful versatility that Kim Ang and this Marlins organization loves. Playing three outfield spots this young in his career. Love to see it, man. You know the organization loves it too. So a great week for Mr. Jeffrey Joseph Blade, And no reason at all that he can't build on and continue. Absolutely. Really exciting to see. All right. Second guy I got is, um man, <laughs> Talk about Max Meyer. You got to put him right next to this guy, Jake Eater. 
Um, then he finally did slip up slightly in his streak, in his streak of starts or scoreless starts. Uh, he didn't make it through the full five either in his first start this week, but limited his damage to just uh, a single run. And it came on one mistake pitch, a solo home run, the first home run he's giving up in his career. And man, if I was CJ Alexander in the, uh, I believe Atlanta Braves organization, I'd be going around the clubhouse bragging to everybody that would listen that I got a homer off of Jake Eater <laughs> with how Jake Eater really? has started his career. So definitely some, some bragging right there for, for Mr. Alexander of the Braves organization. But Daniel, we'll talk about his next start. It comes right back, um, you know, in his next start, five full shutout innings again, eight strikeouts. Nice to see him get right back to it after a little bit of, I guess you could call it adversity. I mean, it was really just one mistake pitch that, that gave up that run. But I mean, that's the most adversity he's faced so far. So to see him bounce back and get right back on the horse and, and show that, you know, he can limit his mistakes again. Love to see it. Um, watching this guy throw, man, I, I have so much fun watching this guy pitch. That slider, um, honestly, as good as Meyer's stuff is, McCambly's curveball, talked about Mitchell's changeup, uh, as I said, which is probably one of the best changeups in the organization earlier in the episode. I think the slider is the best overall pitch in the Marlins organization. I don't have the numbers recorded, but just watching it, him throw, I've watched all of his starts, obviously. I can pretty much say with pretty good certainty that he's thrown that pitch, that slider, in many of his two strike counts and multiple times through the order to the same guys. So even when guys may be sitting on it and guessing that it's coming and waiting for it, they still can't hit it. That's how good it is. Like he could probably even signal to the catcher, hey, I'm throwing a slider, and I don't think guys will be able to touch him. <laughs> That's how good crazy, that, that slider is. It's ridiculous. Um, he does couple it with a, a pretty good curveball. I've liked seeing that pitch. Um, it does have a little bit of different movement on it. He does add some little bit of loop to it, uh, but not too much. You know, it's not a high arcing 12-6 pitch. It's more like that power curveball. But I think that's a pretty good pitch, man. He can place that pitch as well. We know he's working on the changeup too. And if he could add in another pitch with a changeup, man, just as good as he already is with these three pitches, adds in another one, just another weapon. But man, we knew this guy had the potential to be solid, but I don't think either one of us or maybe even the Marlins organization saw that he was going to be this good, this fast being challenged to double A. I didn't guess this, Daniel. I thought he was going to go through some struggles, but man, uh, did you see this coming? And, and, and how pleased are we? No, uh, of course I didn't see it coming. I mean, I, we've heard reports. Well, first when, when they drafted him, I saw like fan graphs and baseball America weren't really that high on him. Um, but pipeline was, they kept saying that he was a, the, the steal of the fourth round. So props to them. They always were really high on him. And then instructs came and we started hearing reports coming out. Whoa, eater, eater. I'm like, okay, that's interesting. Um, we also heard that other teams tried to trade for him. So they were also getting the reports and Marlon said no. And then when he was challenged with double A, you and I were both like, whoa, like we understand <laughs> Max Meyer, but, yeah. but Eater as well. And look at him, man. I mean, his stuff, his command. Um, I picked him up in, in, in both my dynasty leagues, <laughs> fantasy dynasty leagues. I mean, uh, he's not in any top 100, but he, it won't be long. You know, he's dominating double A in his first pro season, like, dominating this is crazy dominating k zra whip anything you know everything um so so yeah i mean i'm really excited about that kid we did get a question about him from at exiled underscore axe why are the marlins limiting eater to five innings pitch regardless of pitch count i honestly have no answer for that i mean i can guess i mean i, I believe is that just baseball operation has an exact innings plan like to the t um 
no matter how many pitches, he was always going to pitch five innings in that last, that last start. I've, I've seen it. I've seen it with a lot of pitchers, like someone, a pitcher went three innings and I asked around and, and yeah, he came back with, you know, I was always going to pitch three innings. Like we were thinking that he may be injured or something, but no, like they have really exact plans for these guys. I do agree though, that it should be pitches, not innings, but Hey, I mean, this is, this is simply how they're doing it. Yeah. I think, I think I can agree with you that it should probably be pitch count, not innings count. But I mean, with everything that's, that's gone on here with the missed 2020 season, the missed collegiate season, these guys are just starting their careers. You want to build those arms up, man. You, you don't want to see them overused, you know, if they don't need to be. And obviously at the, these levels of development, you talk about Yuri Perez, who's thrown, I think he threw two innings the other day. I think his last start was three or four. So yeah, I mean, you just see them building up arms. I mean, a lot of these guys, as we've talked about multiple times, they're being challenged, they're being pushed. It's the start of their careers. You want to see them build their arm up. You don't want to push them too hard, too fast. They're already being challenged. So, yeah, I think I think it's just an organizational decision to put these younger guys on that innings limit. So I, I think you'll see it with a lot of guys, not just uh, Yuri or Eater. I think you'll see it with, with many of these prospects. I think you'll probably see with Meyer, McCandley, all the guys out of that 2020 draft class will probably see that same thing. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just a, a cautious move. And why not? Look at the injuries on the, on the MLB front. So, yeah. <laughs> Agreed. All right, so uh, we'll go up to our, our next level. Uh, thanks for that question, by the way, to at Exiled Axe. Good question. Uh, we'll go up to our, our last level, and then we'll get to our, some more questions. Uh, it's the AAA level, of course. Uh, great series for, for Jacksonville as they are back to their winning ways. They go 5-1 and one with a plus-six run differential, lost just one game. Love to see that. Great week for the system overall, Daniel. As I mentioned at the beginning, just one team with a, uh, a losing record this week. So um, as awesome as it is to see these prospects develop, as I said before, you know, it's going to push guys to, uh, to, uh, in their confidence level, at least, right. If they're out winning baseball games, every athlete wants to win a game. So yeah, uh, love to see it. Uh, so yeah, with the, the triple a level, here we go. Uh, I'll go to my two. Um, my first is going to be Brian Miller. Uh, we talked about him last episode. I think Eli asked us a question, Daniel, about why he was he off to such a slow start. And I stated that I think he just stops, needs to stop trying to do too much at the plate and get back, back to playing to his strengths and right on cue, Daniel, here's Brian and he's doing it. He goes seven for 22, uh, 318, 400, 409 slash line, two steals with that beautiful speed, three walks with that awesome vision, grabs a triple too, a stand-up triple. Again, that, that amazing speed, definitely his best tool. Um, all this man needs to do, Daniel, to be effective, just put the ball in play, man. Bunts, base hits, you know, seeing eye singles, get a ball at the end of the bat and go opposite field, whatever it is. And then his speed, it, it makes him a threat for extra bases every time out. So, yeah, you love to see him getting back to, to playing to those strengths. He's that game disruptor type when he's using that simple swing and that great speed. I've liked this guy forever, Daniel. What does he need to do to get his shot? That's been my question. I still don't have an answer. I think it's one of the best questions surrounding the Marlins organization. At, at this point, man, I, I think what it's going to need to take is the Marlins need to end the Magnaris-Sierra experiment. And it doesn't look like they're willing to do so, even though Magnaris-Sierra has a 50 or so WRC+. plus. So I understand that it's depth right now and the Marlins need him. He's out of options. You don't want to give him away for nothing. But when I look at him and how he's performed in this Marlins organization outside of a handful of at-bats in a COVID year, right, hasn't been good, um, just hasn't been there. I, I think this experiment could end. I think we could probably DFA him and not lose him, honestly. And if we do lose him, Brian Miller is a clone player, and I think the hit tool is much better. I really want to see M Miller get a chance with this Marlins organization, man. But uh, speaking on his behalf, he's a great dude. I've gotten to know him well. I've mentioned before, he was one of the first guys that I covered um, doing this Fish on the Farm project. One of the first guys that I really covered in depth, I actually interviewed him as well. 
super nice guy. Um, really been awesome getting to know him. Uh, if he's not going to get a shot with the Marlins and it doesn't look like he's going to, at least not right now, maybe that changes. Hopefully love to see him stick around. I hope he gets claimed. If he's not going to be with the Marlins, I hope he gets claimed in the rule five, which he's eligible for this year and gets a shot with a different organization. Cause I think he definitely deserves it. Uh, I'll get my second guy and I'm going to be brief here. Um, it's a guy that the Marlins recently brought back to the organization, Justin Twine guys that may have followed the organization for a while, like me, Daniel, and a couple of our longtime readers and listeners, you may know this guy and know the name. He was a second rounder in 2014. He played with the Marlins up to 2019, elected for free agency. Um, interesting fact here that I found while, while looking up what he was doing leading up to him being signed, was he out of baseball permanent? Like completely? No, he wasn't. He was actually scheduled to play an indie ball with the York Revolution in the Atlantic League this year on the same team as a former Marlin and a former Marlins prospect, Alex Sinabia. So there's another blast from the past name for you guys. And then the Marlins pluck him off of free agency and bring him back. Why did they bring him back? Um, obviously it's depth. Uh, you see what's happened with the middle infielders and this guy can play three spots. Uh, I think the bat's pretty, pretty good. And he had a really good first week in Jacksonville. Uh, first good week back with the Marlins, Daniel. Four hits, including a triple. Obviously it's a really small sample, right? We're not going to say call the guy up now just because he can play those spots. You want to see that he can still hit, right? Um, he was one of the first guys, another one of the first guys, along with Miller, that I researched and followed uh, with this project. Um, know the skill set pretty well. He's got pretty decent bat speed and some gap power and really good speed, um, surprisingly. He's like six foot 200, but this guy flies, man. Another guy that can turn anything into extra bases. The biggest thing for him, Daniel, is just way, way, way too many strikeouts. Look at these numbers, guys. 561 strikeouts and 90 walks in his minor league baseball career. Hmm. And without much in the way of power, you can't have those kind of K rates. So, yeah, uh, he definitely needs to bring that down. Want to see him show what he did this week on a longer basis and see if this kind of bat can stick. Because he's that solid, slashy kind of bat that can hit gaps. Another guy like Brian Miller that can hit gaps and let that speed go to go to work for him. And he plays multiple positions, infield positions. So, yeah, uh, it was cool to see him back. He's a nice kid. So um, nice to see. And every time that 2014 draft comes up, I, I get nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler Kolek. Yep. Um, Twine was his second round. Yep. Uh, we had Stone Garrett. Mm-hmm. We also had, um, for competitive balance round A, pick 36, Blake Anderson, catcher. Yeah, um, that was rough. We did get, at least we did get Brian Anderson. Yep. That was the only pick that, that really worked for something in that top 10. That was rough. Um, so now that you did mention uh, Twine, we did a, get a question about that from uh, at South Florida. SO2 is Justin Twine or Bryson Brigman a possible replacement for Eson? Um, I would say sure, but not in the long run. Uh, maybe a bit more Bryson Brigman, who's doing a little bit better than he normally does. Um, Twine, I, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, Twine would have to show so much um, for him to be called up, like seriously being called up. You know, yeah. we, we've had a lot of players being called up, like Marte. Luis Marte and uh, Madero and all these guys for, for two games and then being DFA'd and not claimed by anyone. Um, so I, I would say none of the, like neither of those two are, are serious options to bring up. But if I were to choose one of those, I'd say Bryson maybe. 
Yeah, uh, agreed here. Um, I think the the signing or the re-signing, I should say, of, of Justin Twine is that that depth hole plugging kind of signing. No knock on, on, on Justin. I, I think that, you know, he is solid when he's not striking out at the rate that he has, as I mentioned before. But yeah, I mean, slight, you know, edge to Bryson Brigman, but I agree with you, Daniel. I don't think either one of them is a um, a replacement, I would say, for for Isan Diaz. I mean, unless they, they trade Isan somehow, right? And maybe you could see one of them come up and, and fill that spot, but uh, I don't know if you'll see that. Um, we'll see what they do in terms of roster moves, but in terms of just sending down Isan and calling up one of those guys, that that I don't see. Yeah, that would be um that would be disappointing if if yeah if, if they. I mean, if the solution moving forward is one of these two instead of of going out and, and trading for, like, yeah. if they really want to compete, if they don't, then obviously no issue. But if they want to compete, they need to go outside the organization. Like, if, if for whatever reason, Miggy Rowe and, and Anderson really are um, out for a long time, if they want to win, these guys aren't ready. Um, you know, they need to keep showing at AAA level. My two guys for Jacksonville, number one is the great Lewin Diaz. Um, this is a Lewin we know and love, man. I mean, this guy lit the world on fire last week. Three home runs, 350 average, 435 OBP for a 1335 OPS. Those three home runs, by the way, were in his last three games. So he'll be carrying a three-game home run streak into Tuesday's game. So for this season now, he has a 114 WRC plus. I would like to see him uh, bring that OBP up a bit. He's currently at 311, but he's definitely trending upwards. Great stuff, man. I mean, we really needed to see that. Um, just needs to keep building off of that, and he'll he'll be called up like for good in in a week, in a month or two, I would think. Um, and then my other guy reliever jake fishman um this is this guy also had a great week he's ranked at number 68 in our consensus consensus top 100 marlins prospects which is pretty high for for a reliever he's starting to show what we knew he had um before the season started so to give you a little background on this guy he was picked up in the triple a phase of the 2020 rule five draft lefty reliever with solid results in the minors, um, including upper levels. This is what Fangroves had to say about him in 2019. His fastball was top 10 in horizontal movement among upper level lefties in 2019. Uh, he really has a very deceptive delivery. Before this season, he had a career 2.82 FIP and a 1.15 whip and more, like considerably more than uh, nine per nine Ks per nine innings. So I honestly have no idea why Toronto didn't protect him from the triple A phase of the rule five draft. Um, you know, good on the Marlins this week. He pitched four scoreless innings coming out of the pen with a zero walk and only one hit struck out six, uh, for the season. He's now at 3.52 year a one Oh four whip and 11.74 K per nine. So, that's definitely a guy who can come up if the bullpen doesn't um, show any signs of, of getting better. Yeah. That's a guy and a really, really cool name, by the way, for being a Marlin and his last name's Fishman. You love to see it. Um, but yeah. Um, an interesting arm. And we talked, we talked about this uh, at a different position on guys that, that could come up and fill holes at this Marlins organization this year, especially with how injuries have gone. I see it for, for Jake Fishman. He took part in spring training, you know, he's pitching well at triple a 
And this guy just provides a different look, man. He's got a really weird delivery. As Daniel just mentioned, everything moves. I really like his curveball. has like downward diving action to it. And he's just so hard to pick up because of how he releases the ball. He pitches from the first base side, I believe, and then just like completely falls off the mound to his first base side, but repeats it well. So that's just the guy he is. So yeah, good luck seeing the ball at a, at a Jake Fishman's hand when he's halfway to first base. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, that's, that's, that's crazy. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a guy who I definitely could see come up and contribute at, at some point this season. And if he continues going this route and the injuries keep piling up, I think you'll see it. So yeah, a good pickup there for the Marlins uh, and a nice move. Um, talked about moves that I wasn't a fan of uh, this offseason, but I was a fan of that one. Cause he's been, been really good and uh, cool to see him pitch. And a member of my tribe, by the way, being uh, Jewish and played for Team Israel as well. So props for that. Nice. <laughs> all nice. right. That's all we got for um, for our levels. Uh, we did have some more questions to get to before we wrap it up. Daniel, I think you got them. Yeah. Um, let's see what we got here. We also had another one from at South Florida SO2. Uh, what are your overall impressions of Dalvi Rosario? And do you foresee him moving up? to Beloit this season you want to take this one uh yeah so uh I guess I could take this one um this guy had a really good like first week and a half Mm -hmm. Um, I guess he's kind of gone in the opposite direction as some of our other prospects where they had a bad first week and now they're really turning it on this guy had a really good like first week and a half I believe if I'm not mistaken I was impressed with what I saw from him in that first series against Port St. Lucie um with Jupiter and he's just kind of fallen off the table since then right I mean not a lot of contact he's piling up some strikeouts not a lot of hard contact either. So um, it's a young kid, obviously came out of the international draft. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, uh, what's gone wrong for him? I mean, like I said, I, I think it's just getting his timing down. Mm-hmm. And now that these pitchers are seeing guys multiple times, reports are getting out, you know, he looks for this pitch, he looks for that pitch, he's timing you, whatever it is, you know? So I think it's, it's just for him mostly about, I think this is his first season playing in full season ball. So it is a challenge, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's just get- getting his feet back under him and getting back to those, those strengths that he was playing to, uh, early in the season. That, that's pretty much all I got. I know that's kind of a generic answer, but you'll see that with a lot of these young kids, they'll go hot and cold. So I think that that's what you could attribute it to Dalby, but hopefully he picks it back up soon. Cause I think he could be good. Yeah. He's a guy who has been challenged by the Marlins every step of the way. So I feel he hasn't really gotten a chance to have a calm full season yet. You know, we can just get used to a league and hit. So this year he started out well, as you said, but, you know, just struggling the last few weeks. I think they keep him there for all of the season. Most yeah. of the season, if, if not all, maybe last month or so, if he's doing well. But I don't think he'll be moving to Beloit um, yeah. in, the, in, the, in the near future. From at Bassmaster, four R's, <laughs> and then the number four, Devin. Uh, what's the status of Joe Dunand? Is he close to returning from injury? Uh, I'm... I'm not really sure on this one. We haven't heard much from Dunant. Um, have you heard anything at all, Alex? Probably need yeah. to ask, ask the organization. Yeah, I tried to get some some, some news on this the other day. Um, obviously, he went down, I think, with a hand or finger issue um, on a diving play, like second game of the season, which I hated to see that. It didn't look like horribly serious, you know, from the outset. You know, it, it just looked like he maybe he jammed his finger or maybe a similar issue as Miggy where maybe he dislocated it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's not like, I don't think it's something that's going to bother him long-term. Um, but yeah, the recovery process, I, I haven't honestly heard a ton. 
All I've really heard is that he's not with the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp and that he's back in Jupiter, I believe, at the team facility. So what does that say? I mean, we don't want to draw conclusions, but to me that says that he's working on his rehab and, you know, he's, he's trying to grip a, ga- a bat again, maybe. I mean, maybe we could get some more information on this um, from the organization in upcoming press conferences. We'll try. But all I've heard um, indefinitely is that he, uh, he is back in South Florida working out in Jupiter. And this one's tough because he would have been a great solution to put oh, yeah. at third base with with Andy down. Yeah. Um, so if you were asking uh, guys a question earlier for Bryson Brigman and Twine, Dunant, I would say if he comes back two weeks, three weeks, um, if, if Anderson's not back yet, he, he should be a much, much better solution to bring up. Um, so that's that question. Another one from the little bro, Ad Marcelo de Vivo, hey. my, my, my younger brother. Who do you guys believe end up as the best hitting and pitching prospect of the season? You want me to give my two and then you go? Yeah, go ahead. All right. So for pitching, I say, I say Eater doesn't stop. That's my guy. He'll struggle. You know, he'll, he'll struggle. You have probably have a few starts here and there, but at the end of the day, I think he'll be the one on top. And I don't see Miami really calling him up at least not until September. So he'll have the, you know, plenty of time to rack up numbers in the minors uh, between double A and maybe triple A. Um, my guess for hitting prospect of the season is, is Connor Scott. I was between him and Burdick. Um, but I think it'll end up being Connor. We just need to see him get 100% healthy. Yep. Good pitch there. Um, I'll definitely agree on, on eater. Um, I, I don't think there's any stopping this guy because of what we said with, with how ridiculous that, that slider is. And then he's coupling in these weapons as well. Fastball plays off of it, you know, as I said before, while I was talking about him. So yeah, uh, building up the changeup, Crowball is also good, commands, swings out of the zone, everything that we said before goes into to that. So it may be the obvious answer. Uh, it may be the, the, the uh, I guess, uh, most common answer, but I can't disagree. I have to say Jake Eater. If you want, if you want a second one, I'll give you one more, just, just to quickly follow that up. I'll go Zach McCambly. Um, I think this guy's going to, I mean, he's, he's had his ups and downs a little bit so far this season. Right. But I, I do think that this guy has good enough stuff, especially with that curveball. If he continues to develop his third pitch, uh, which is a change up, uh, you know, fastball velo is really good. So yeah. Uh, movement, everything moves all over the place for him, you know, uh, repeats just uh, everything that we've seen from McCambly. I think uh, once he gains a little bit better feel for that third pitch and maybe irons out command a little bit, we have seen him hang a couple pitches, but other than that, he's been, he's been really good, man. Um, yeah. So irons out command builds up the third pitch. I, I think I could see McCambly up there in this organization as one of the best pitchers this year. So there's well, what about Audi? <laughs> I, man, Paris, honestly, man. I, yeah, I was going to go Yuri, but I mean, when you're talking about a guy that you could see become the best pitcher in the organization, Yuri could do it. Definitely has the tools, but with the youth, man, I think he's going to go through. No, exactly. I mean, so the question was like best prospect this year. Yeah. Um, It'd be hard for him because of the innings limit. I would say that's my main reason to not put him in there. He's just so, so, um, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. He has that obstacle, right? That that innings obstacle. So while Eater is going to throw, who knows, a hundred plus pitches. I don't, I don't innings. I don't see him going over a hundred. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, yeah, if, if Eater's at, let's say Eater's at a hundred innings, innings limit, right. Uh, Yuri's under that for sure. 
because 100%. of the youth and everything else. So yeah, yeah, we were expecting this guy to start not in Jupiter. <laughs> I don't even think he was expecting, he wasn't even expecting to start in Jupiter. So yeah, you look at that, he's definitely not going to throw. I would say, I, I don't even think if there was more than 80 per, personally. Nope. All right. Um, your hitter. Yeah. Uh, my hitter. Uh, let's go. Uh, I mean, Burdick's hard to argue against. Connor Scott, if he can stay healthy, is hard to argue against. Um, I'll, I'll go Bl- Bladé. I'll go, J- I'll go JJ Bladé. Just just because of the tools. I mean, tools on tools on tools. Yeah. Checks every box. Speed, hit, power, versatility. Everything that we mentioned before while I was talking about him. Yeah. Can't, can't argue against JJ Bladé, man. Really, really, really thrilled to see what he does. Um, the only thing would be, um, does does he move from, from Pensacola Obviously, that's going to happen later in the year uh, if he goes up to AAA or, or maybe to Miami. But if you're looking for most of the season, uh, yeah, I, I would say if as long as he sticks most of the season or, or the full season yeah. at AA, it would be J.J. Lede. I had half a mind to, to go Conan um, because he can just – I mean, I just – I hesitated because I don't know how he will he will adjust to AA. Um, but I had to have a mind to go. I mean, he's a guy who can – hit 30 home runs 30 35 easily so i did have have a mind to go with him but the strikeouts um, right that's what usually that's what you that's what worries you on him exactly exactly Um, what about what about victor mesa jr i mean there's a reason this guy jumped 30 spots on on uh rankings and on organizational (laughs) rankings obviously and we're starting to see it but i think again with him like you said with yuri would be the youth right um you know playing full season ball true time so yeah um definitely could be though yeah it's easier for a hitter yeah, yeah. It's definitely easier for a hitter to, to do his full season. Mm-hmm. So, so better, better possibilities than, than Eudi. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, definitely. And again, he's just trending upwards. So good possibility as well. Good um, question. Fun question. Yeah. There. Good question there. And then our last question slash S plural, because he, he gave <laughs> us four questions. We'll go through each one right. is from at R-O-11-I-9. It may be an I or it may be a lowercase L. I'm going to go I. <laughs> uh, Raf, he asks, number one, when will Palacios be ready? So I think it's soon. Um, Luis Palacios, by the way, uh, if you're wondering, lefty, uh, lefty starter who just has been with the organization forever and has not been challenged at all. I need to see him pitch in the higher levels. I think it's soon. Uh, if I were to guess, I'd say they're building building up his pitch count, and then hopefully she'll have should have an assignment in the next couple of weeks um, as as dominoes start, you know, falling. So so, what do you think on Palacios, Alex? Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think they're they're building up the arm. Obviously, as we know from from previously, uh, as you brought to us on uh, Daniel through your research, um, that he missed all of minor league spring training um, and was not in uh, Jupiter until what was it like right before minor league season started, I think, like, I I don't even Mm -hmm. think he was in South Florida. So obviously they're seeing where the arm is first and then starting to build it up. So uh, I don't think his issue was, was COVID related or anything Um, from what we heard. I think he was just dealing with something back home. So yeah, I think that that late arrival is what did it. He probably would have started in Jupiter had that issue not arisen. But I think why you haven't seen him come up yet, even if they do think his arm is ready, is because there's just no room for him in that rotation. And I definitely think they want him to start. So they're not going to throw him into the bullpen, right? 
So I think they do want to keep him as a starter. Um, so, yeah, I think that's why he hasn't been assigned yet. When will we see it? Um, we know that GCL is starting soon. So I, I don't think we'll see him assigned um, before then. So I do think he will start back in, in the GCL just because here there's no room in that, in that Jupiter rotation. When guys like Matt Given move up or George Soriano, when they move up, I definitely think that 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 is Louis the next guy up spot. Exactly. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I mean, six guys are doing pretty well uh, right now in Jupiter. Uh, Eori, Makma, Dax, um, MD, Soriano and Given. So they're all doing well. Uh, they probably don't want to take innings away, but I think Palacios, he's, he could maybe just go directly to, to Beloit. I mean, again, he's been, the organization for so long and he's dominated those lower levels and it's like, just, just challenge him, you know? Um, but yeah, let, let, let's see what happens. Uh, what I think is, is they're just building, building the pitch count. Um, next one from Raf is TJ, Tommy John for Anthony Maldonado. Um, answer there is no. The, the issue he has is in his biceps, not, not the elbow. Um, so I did hear that he's going to be reevaluated soon, but, but shouldn't be Tommy John. I think the, the elbow is fine. Big oh, sigh of relief on that one. Because <laughs> that looks yeah. really scary when he came out of that game, man. Oh, yeah. Game. Just threw yeah, a pitch yeah. and immediately felt it go and, and immediately threw the dugout. So, I mean, he was doing really, really well, too. I mean, a guy we would definitely be talking about right now if it wasn't for that injury. Great velo. Man, I, I really like him. I think he could be a future closer. So, great news that it's – obviously, you don't like to see injury at all, but sigh of relief that it's, that it's uh, not Tommy John. Yes. Um, thoughts on Victor Mesa Jr. at the plate? I think this one I answered early, earlier uh, when we were talking about Jupiter. So I think we're good on that one. And the last one, to get some food for thought, last question of the day, would you consider trading Sixto for a big bat when he's healthy, considering they have guys like Rogers, Cabrera, Meyer, and Eudi in the wings? Um, I'll go. This one is a, I guess it's a tough one. I think I would consider it but I don't think I would do it. <laughs> his, uh, his upside is just so massive for, for them to trade him. They would need to have some inside information that convinces them that he's not going to be as good as everyone thinks. Um, and their return would need to be massive. I know that people are frustrated that he's not on the field, but you know, he's still 22 and he's not wasting any major league control right now. So I think we, should, we just need to be patient. Yeah, uh, I definitely agree. My answer would be no as well. Um, obviously he's, he's injured, right? So we don't see him on the field where everybody hates that he's been pushed back a couple of times, you know, so like, where is he, you know, he's been, he was throwing at 120 feet for like three weeks, you know, and then he gets shut down again. And it's just a, a hard case, like just a rough patch of circumstances for his health. Um, I would say that one thing that has arisen lately that I've heard being called into action by a couple of different people and a couple of different sources is that they've questioned his work ethic. And that for me, Daniel is a very big issue, right? Cause I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're, your six toe or, or uh, Justin twine, if you're not putting in the work, man, then that's something you just can't teach. And if you don't put in the work, you can't succeed. You can't, can't be a successful athlete. If you don't adhere to a regimen, do your work, do your bullpens, everything that you need to do and do it with tenacity. If you're not willing to do that, 
you're not going to succeed in any sport. And that's something that's taught from the little league level. So I've heard that from a couple of different places. I don't know if you've heard the same thing, but more so than his health and, 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 you know, control or any other tool that, that we've, that we've looked at and said, okay, he needs to improve on this. That's something that, that, that is very hard for an organization to fix because if you're not born with that, if you're not born with that drive to go out and say, Hey, I'm going to go out there and put in my work, do what I need to do, eat the way I need to eat. Then it's, it's just, it's just something you can't teach. So hopefully it's not true. Hopefully, you know, you know, maybe he opens his eyes and says, you know, I got to, I, you know, I got to bust my ass (laughs) quite frankly, because you know, if a guy doesn't do that, as, as I said three times, it's, it's very hard to teach. So that's my worry with Sixto Sanchez. And, and then it's after a whole that, thing. It's a whole thing because uh, I also read about this when the Phillies traded him. I yeah. heard that that was one of their worries and that was one of the reasons why they traded him. Um, something similar to that. You know, when, when he slimmed down a bit, I was like, okay, I mean, that looks better. But yeah, you're, what you're saying is right. We've heard some reports. Um, you know, it's obviously nothing confirmed, unofficial stuff. That, that he does is, you know, he is having this type of issue, but he's going to lose a lot of money if he doesn't, if he doesn't um, bring it together. And I think he will. So let's, let's hope for the best there. Definitely. All right. I think that's, that's all we got for, for episode 21 of swimming upstream, go through each level. We pinpoint our uh, standout performers. And then of course, take your questions. We thank you again for that awesome engagement. Some great questions there. Um, really liked some of those, some great conversation brought to light via those questions. So Again, thanks to everybody for sending them in. If we didn't get to your question, uh, we're sorry, uh, but we are we do have a uh, time limit on these on these podcasts. We don't want them to go over a certain amount. So keep sending them in. We'll, we'll keep doing our best to, to fit them into the episode. But uh, for Daniel and Alex, I think that's going to do it for episode 21 of Swimming Upstream. Thanks so much again for the time, guys. We appreciate you listening in. Uh, special announcement here. We will have not one, but two episodes scheduled next week. We do have a special guest agreeing to join us. I'm not going to give it away on this episode. If you listen back to last episode, I kind of gave it away. So if you're really interested in who it is before the episode happens, you can listen back to that episode and find out. But we will have our Monday recap and then a, um, a special guest on our next two podcasts. So swimming upstream. We hope to see you guys then. Thanks again for the time. And we'll see you guys next time.